For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject our spiritual journey from Egypt to the Promised Land. This is part 19 of the series. Next, we're going to look at the Canaanites. Canaan in Hebrew means a merchant. And if we break down the word Canaanite in the Hebrew, it means to suppress, oppress, or be depressed. So it means to be subdued or to be brought low. From the inner meaning of the Hebrew letters by Robert Herlek on page 211, he explains, Canaanite in Hebrew is Canaani. This is a cognate or related to the root Kana, which means to oppress ourselves, to be depressed, to be mournful. We can also see how Canaan means a merchant. In Hosea chapter 12 verse 7 it says, For he, that is Ephraim, the northern kingdom, is a merchant. So merchant is the Strong's number 3667, and it's the Hebrew word Kanan, which means to be brought low. It also means a merchant or a trader. Then in Isaiah chapter 23 verse 8, Who has taken this counsel against Tyre, whose merchants are princes, whose traffickers, Kanan, are the glory of the earth? So we see how this word is associated with commerce or merchandising. So Canaanites comes from the Hebrew root kana, which means to be brought low. One form of being brought low is to be humbled. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7 verse 14 it is written, If my people which are called by my name shall be brought low, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. So the word humble here is the Strong's number 3665. It's the Hebrew word kana. It means to be brought low, to be humbled, to be subdued, to be brought into subjection. In 2 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 6, it is written, Whereupon the princes of Israel and the king humbled themselves, and they said, The Lord is righteous. We can see how Cana is translated as to be subdued, to be brought into subjection, to be brought low in the form of being defeated. In Judges chapter 4, verse 23, it is written, So God subdued Cana on that day Jabin, the king of Canaan, before the children of Israel. Then in 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 13, it is written, So the Philistines were subdued, brought into subjection. They were defeated, and they came no more into the coast of Israel. So how do we defeat the Canaanites? First, we have to humble ourselves before the God of Israel to seek to do his will. 
because the way that the enemy wages war against us when we seek to do his will is they seek to oppress us and through our trust in the word of God we are able to bring into subjection the oppression of the enemy and thirdly we must refrain from making earthly treasures our life goal as Canaan means to be a merchant or to participate in merchandising. Next, we're going to look at the parasites. If we break down parasites in the Hebrew, it means an open space or an unwalled village. In Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 5, it is written, All these cities were fenced with high walls, gates, and bars, besides unwalled towns a great many. The word unwalled is the Strong's number 6521 in the Strong's Hebrew Dictionary. It's the word parasi, the Hebrew word for saying parasites. And because it means to be open or unwalled, it's also associated with somebody that lives out in the country, an open region that has no fences, walls, or borders. Spiritually, the parasites represents a lack of self-control. When you have self-control, you are able to set boundaries. When you have no self-control, then in principle, you're willing to do or try anything. So in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28, it is written, He that has no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. So a lack of self-control is associated with the flesh and the desires of the flesh. Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 5 verse 19, Now the works of the flesh are manifested and they are these. And it mentions at the end of the verse, lasciviousness. And lasciviousness is a lack of self-control. Next we're going to look at the Hivites. The Hivites mean a small town or village. Hivite is the Hebrew word Havi from the Strong's number 2333. And Hivite means a villager or one that lives in a small place. Spiritually, Hivites are associated with those who think small or only think about themselves, or their goal in life is to seek to live a comfortable life. In the parable of the sower, Yeshua explained in Mark chapter 4 verse 19 that those who have the cares of this world, they think small. They're only thinking about this life and the things that please the flesh. The cares of this world choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Because a Hivite means small and it is associated with a small town or village, spiritual Hivites think small. They're only looking at the world and themselves. And as a result, they lose vision for the things of God and they seek earthly comfort. And finally, we're going to look at the Jebusites. In the literal historical Jebusites, they inhabited Jerusalem. So in order to spiritually ascend to Jerusalem, you got to defeat the inhabitants of Jerusalem, which is the Jebusites. Jebusite in Hebrew is Jebusi. And in the book, The Inner Meaning of the Hebrew Letters, on page 211 by Robert Haralek, he explains that the root of Jebusi is bus, meaning to tread underfoot, to trample, to crush, despise, loathe, or detest. So, among other things, the Jebusites represents those who treat us with contempt. We can see how the historical, literal Jebusites inhabited Jerusalem from 1 Chronicles chapter 11, verse 4, as it is written. And David and all Israel went to Jerusalem, which is Jebus, where the Jebusites were the inhabitants of the land. So, Jebusites 
States. This is Strong's number 2983. It's the Hebrew word Yabusi. It comes from the Strong's number 2982, Yabus, which means a threshing place, which comes from the root bus, which means to tread down, reject, desecrate, crush, trample, to tread underfoot. So spiritual Jebusites are those that despise you, reject you, revile, and persecute you. Who tried to bring you low. Regarding Yeshua, it is said of him, in Isaiah chapter 53 verse 3, He was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. In Matthew chapter 5 verse 11, Yeshua taught, Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. So let's summarize this part of the teaching. Number one, in order to do the will of God in our lives, we must spiritually cross the Jordan. Jordan in Hebrew is Yarden, which means to descend. Crossing the Jordan spiritually represents making a decision to not live our lives to do our own will. And when we don't do our own will, we bring the flesh lower into submission. Number two, when we seek to do the will of God in our lives, we are spiritually ascending, going up or making Aliyah into our spiritual promised land. And the goal of our journey is the spiritual status of Jerusalem or Mount Zion. Number three, in order to do the will of God in our lives, we must defeat seven nations, which represents seven giants of the flesh and the carnal mind that tries to keep us from doing and fulfilling the will of God in our lives. Number four, the seven nations who spiritually represents giants of the flesh and the carnal mind are represented by the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hiphites, and the Jebusites. And number five, we are to not enter into partnership or make a covenant with these nations, meaning we should not enter into partnership with the flesh, the ways of the flesh, natural eyesight, reasoning, and carnal thinking. But instead, we're to meditate upon the Word of God day and night and think spiritually and obey the Torah of Yeshua and believe His covenant promises to us. So in defeating these seven nations or spiritual giants that come against us and seeking to do the will of God in our lives, our goal and our destination spiritually is Jerusalem or Mount Zion. So what is Biblical Zion? Biblical Zion is the unity or the oneness of the Messiah who rules and reigns in Zion, and he is spiritually one with those who seek to love him, keep his commandments, and obey his Torah by his Holy Spirit, who believes his covenant promises that he's made to us and seeks to do his will, that is our spiritual promised land, and he's going to be wedded to a people that follows his Torah by his Spirit, that believes his promises and does his will, in the name of this people is his bride. So biblical Zion is the unity of Messiah, one with those who are obedient to him, walk by his spirit, believe his promises, does his will, and the one that does these things, he's going to marry and live forever with in the new Jerusalem, which is his bride. So let's see how Zion is a term for the bride of Yeshua. In Isaiah chapter 62, verse 1 and verse 5, it is written, For Zion's sake will I not hold my peace. For as a young man marries a virgin, so shall your sons marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over 
over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. So when we seek to do the will of God, when we believe his promises that he makes to us, we walk in his Sabbath rest and we inherit our promised land. In Hebrews chapter 4 verse 3 it is written, For we which have believed do enter into his rest. That is because Jerusalem means the Lord sees peace. And when there's peace, there is rest all around you. In Psalm 122 verse 6, it is written, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And continuing in Psalm 122 verse 7, Peace be within your walls. So Jerusalem represents those who seek to do the will of God in their life. And in doing so, they will enter into his rest. And they will love Yeshua and keep his commandments. So the bride of Yeshua is going to obey his Torah, which is written on our heart by the Holy Spirit, which is the new covenant. Jerusalem is a city of truth. In Zechariah chapter 8, verse 3 and verse 8, it is written, Thus says the Lord, Jerusalem shall be called a city of truth, and the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain, in reference to Mount Zion. And it continues in Zechariah chapter 8, verse 8, And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. So this phrase is associated with Yeshua being married to his bride. And his bride has a spiritual characteristic of walking in truth and in righteousness. So when you grow in spiritual maturity and when you obey the Torah of the God of Israel, you are regarded as a son of God. So a son of God follows the Torah or the word of God by the spirit of God. In Romans chapter 8 verse 9 and verse 14 it is written, But you are not in the flesh but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwells in you, for as many as that are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So remember a spiritual characteristic of the heavenly Jerusalem is it's a city of truth and it consists of a people that is the bride of Yeshua who walk in truth and in righteousness because those who walk in truth and righteousness will dwell on Mount Zion. Yeshua's throne where he rules and reigns is in Mount Zion. Psalm chapter 2 verse 6 it is written, Yet I have set my king, that is Yeshua, upon my holy hill of Zion. And then in Psalm chapter 15 verse 1 the following question is asked, Lord, who shall abide in your tabernacle and who will dwell in your holy hill? Referring to Mount Zion. What are the characteristics of the people who dwell on Mount Zion? The answer is in Psalm chapter 15 verse 2 as it is written. He that walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. Continuing on in Psalm chapter 15 verse 3 and verse 5. He that backbites not with his tongue nor does evil to his neighbor nor takes up a reproach against his neighbor. He that puts not out his money to usury or interest referring to one who is of the family of Messiah nor takes reward against the innocent. So Jerusalem is the city of truth. It's the city of the bride of Yeshua. And the bride of Yeshua is going to have clean hands, representing what she does, and a pure heart, representing her motives. In Psalm chapter 24, verse 3, it is written, Who shall ascend unto the hill of the Lord, referring to Mount Zion, and who will stand in his holy place? The answer is in Psalm 24, verse 4, as it is written, He that has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. 
We're to follow the Torah or the commandments of Yeshua with a pure heart. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 5 it is written, Now the end or the goal or the purpose of the commandment or following the Torah is love out of a pure heart and of good conscience and of faith unmeasured or unfeigned. So now we need to remind ourselves that the earthly tabernacle that the God of Israel instructed Moses and the children of Israel to make in the wilderness is a blueprint or a shadow or a figure of the heavenly tabernacle. In Hebrews chapter 8 verse 5 it is written, Who serve under the example and shadow of heavenly things. As Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle, for see, says he, that you make all things according to the pattern shown to you on the mount. So Mount Zion is a term for the heavenly Jerusalem. In Hebrews chapter 12 verse 22 it is written, But you are come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Abraham's heart was for and after the heavenly Mount Zion. In Hebrews chapter 11 verse 8 and verse 10 it is written, For by faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place, which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. For he looked for a city which had foundations, whose builder and maker is God. In the name of the city, whose builder and maker is God, is Mount Zion, or the heavenly Jerusalem. Mount Zion is the city of the great king. In Psalm chapter 48 verse 2 it is written, Beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion, on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. And who's this great king? It is Yeshua the Messiah, because we're told in Revelation chapter 19, verse 16, he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Yeshua dwells in Zion. In Isaiah chapter 8, verse 18, it is written, Behold, I and the children whom the Lord has given me are for signs and for wonders in Israel, from the Lord of hosts who dwells in Mount Zion. So let's summarize this part of the teaching. Number one, Mount Zion is a term for the bride of Yeshua. Number two, Mount Zion represents believing the promises of the God of Israel and doing his will in our lives and growing up into spiritual maturity. Number three, Mount Zion represents following the Torah of Yeshua by his Holy Spirit. And number four, Mount Zion represents loving your neighbor as yourself and laying down your life and serving others, as Mount Zion is a city of truth and righteousness. Number five, Mount Zion represents following biblical truth and having a pure heart so that the things that we do are done with good or pure motives. Number six, Yeshua dwells in Mount Zion. And number seven, Mount Zion is the city of the bride and a term for the heavenly Jerusalem or the new Jerusalem. And the last thing that we're going to examine in this study, what is the application of the meaning of eternal life? The Hebrew word for life is chai. The Greek word is zoe. In Daniel chapter 12 verse 2 it is written, And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, chai, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Next we're going to see that Yeshua explained that there's a resurrection of chai or zoe. In John chapter 5 verse 28 and 29 it is written, For the hour is coming in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth, and they that have done good unto the resurrection of chai or Zoe, and they that have done evil under the resurrection of damnation. So the next thing that we need to remember is something that we've been emphasizing in this entire teaching. And 
that is, there are levels of holiness in God. And when one initially believes in Yeshua as the Messiah, he's a spiritual babe, but he's to grow in spiritual maturity and ascend to spiritual maturity. So let's see how Paul explained in the resurrection of the dead for believers in Yeshua as the Messiah, there are different levels of glory. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 35, it is written, But some man will say, How are the dead raised up, and with what body will they come? So Paul goes on to answer the question in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 40. There are celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, but the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. Continuing on in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 41, there is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for one star differs from another star in glory. And Paul concludes by saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 42, so also is the resurrection of the dead. So in describing the resurrection of the dead for believers in Yeshua as the Messiah, what kind of resurrected body will we have? Paul keeps emphasizing and using the word glory, 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 glory. So all believers in Yeshua as the Messiah will have a glorified body. And in having a glorified body, what will that body give off? It gives off light. So while all believers in Yeshua as the Messiah will have a glorified body, they will not all have the same glorified body, because as Paul explains, one star differs from another star in glory. So is the resurrection of the dead. So the degree of our glory, of our eternal resurrected body, is linked and associated with our service in this life under Yeshua and under his kingdom. If we believe in Yeshua, but died as a spiritual babe, we will have a lesser glory than those who believe in Yeshua and achieved spiritual maturity in him. So now let's see how the Bible defines eternal life. In Greek, the Greek word for life is zoe. The Hebrew word is chai. So what is linked or associated with life? Chai, Zoe. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 20, it is written that you might love the Lord your God and that you might obey his voice and that you might cleave unto him for he is your Chai. So the Torah says the Lord your God, he is Chai or Zoe. But we also see that Chai is associated with keeping the Torah or the commandments and the statutes and the judgments of the God of Israel. In Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 16 it is written, In that I command you this day to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that you might live. So the God of Israel himself, he is your High. But then loving him and keeping his commandments and following his Torah is also Chai, or Zoe, or life. The God of Israel, he wants us to choose Chai, to choose Zoe, to choose life. That means we choose to follow and believe in the God of Israel. That means believing in Yeshua as the Messiah. And he wants us to choose to love him, to keep his commandments, and to follow his Torah with the help and the inspiration of his Holy Spirit. So in Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19, it is written, I call heaven and earth to record or to testify this day against you, that I've set before you life, chai, zoe, and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, choose chai, choose zoe, that both you and your seed may live. So seeing these two applications of the meaning of high and that we're to choose it, 
one being that the Lord your God is your Chai. That's how we understand that by believing in Yeshua, because he is our Chai, that we can have eternal life by believing in him, that he is the Messiah, when we confess our sins and make him Savior of our lives. In John chapter 3, verse 16, it is written, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, Zoe, or Chai. So here we see, just as we learned from the Torah in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 20, that the Lord your God, or Yeshua, is your high. Believing on him, you have everlasting life. We can also see that Chai, or Zoe, or life, is believing that Yeshua is the Messiah from John chapter 17, verse 3, as it is written. And this is life, Zoe, Chai, eternal, that they might know you Well, that's going to conclude part 19 of the series on the subject, Our Spiritual Journey from Egypt to the Promised Land. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.